0: This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. What's the Bible really all about? How do all the different pieces fit together? Looking for an easy resource to answer your questions? Discover the timeless story of the whole Bible for yourself with the 30-Minute Bible. And by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. Listening to Get in the Word with Truths Table. Your word is truth, your word is life. Presented by Innervar City Press. Your word is truth, your word is life.
1: A Daily Audio Bible podcast, read by Dr. Christina Edmondson. And
0: Echemini Owen. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your Word.
1: Old Testament reading. Daniel, chapter 2, verses 24 through 49. Then Daniel went to see Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He came and said to him, Don't destroy the wise men of Babylon. Escort me to the king, and I will disclose the interpretation to him. So Ariok quickly ushered Daniel into the king's presence, saying to him, I have found a man from the captives of Judah who can make known the interpretation to the king. The king then asked Daniel, whose name was also Belteshashar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I saw, as well as its interpretation? Daniel replied to the king, The mystery that the king is asking about is such that no wise men, astrologers, magicians, or diviners can possibly disclose it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the times to come. The dream and the visions you had while lying on your bed are as follows. As for you, O king, while you were in your bed, your thoughts turned to future things. The revealer of mysteries has made known to you what will take place. As for me, this mystery was revealed to me not because I possess more wisdom than any other living person, but so that the king may understand the interpretation and comprehend the thoughts of your mind. You, O king, were watching as a great statue, one of impressive size and extraordinary brightness, was standing before you. Its appearance caused alarm. As for the statue, its head was of fine gold, its chest and arms were of silver, its belly and thighs were of bronze, its legs were of iron, its feet were partly of iron and partly of clay. You were watching as a stone was cut out, but not of human hands. It struck the statue on its iron and clay feet, breaking them in pieces. Then the iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold were broken in pieces without distinction and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors that the wind carries away. Not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the statue became a large mountain that filled the entire earth. This was the dream. Now we will set forth before the king its interpretation. Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has granted you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. Wherever human beings, wild animals, and birds of the sky live, he has given them into your power. He has given you authority over them all. You are the head of gold. Now after you, another kingdom will arise, one inferior to yours. Then a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule in all the earth. Then there will be a fourth kingdom, one strong like iron, just like iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And as iron breaks in pieces all these metals, so it will break in pieces and crush the others. In that you were seeing feet and toes partly of wet clay and partly of iron. So this will be a divided kingdom. Some of the strength of iron will be in it, for you saw iron mixed with wet clay. In that the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay. The latter stages of this kingdom will be partly strong and partly fragile. And in that you saw iron mixed with wet clay so people will be mixed with one another without adhering to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will raise up an everlasting kingdom that will not be destroyed and a kingdom that will not be left to another people. It will break in pieces and bring about the demise of all these kingdoms, but it will stand forever. You saw that a stone was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It smashed the iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold into pieces. The great God has made known to the king what will occur in the future. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is reliable. Then King Nebuchadnezzar bowed down with his face to the ground and paid homage to Daniel. He gave orders to offer sacrifice and incense to him. The king replied to Daniel, Certainly your God is a God of gods and Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries for you are able to reveal this mystery. Then the king elevated Daniel to high position and bestowed on him many marvelous gifts. He granted him authority over the entire province of Babylon and made him the main prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon. Daniel himself served in the king's court. Jeremiah chapter 36 verses 1 through 4. Jehoiakim burns the scroll containing the Lord's messages. The Lord spoke to Jeremiah in the fourth year that Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, was ruling over Judah. Get a scroll. Write on it everything I have told you to say about Israel, Judah, and all the other nations since I began to speak to you in the reign of Josiah until now. Perhaps when the people of Judah hear about all the disaster I intend to bring on them, they will all stop doing the evil things they have been doing. If they do, I will forgive their sins and the wicked things they have done. So Jeremiah summoned Baruch, son of Neriah. Then Baruch wrote down in a scroll all the Lord's words that he had told to Jeremiah as they came from his mouth. Jeremiah chapter 45 and chapter 46 Baruch is rebuked but also comforted. The prophet Jeremiah spoke to Baruch, son of Neriah, while he was writing down in a scroll the words that Jeremiah spoke to him. This happened in the fourth year that Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, was ruling over Judah. Jeremiah said, The Lord God of Israel has a message for you, Baruch. You have said, I feel so hopeless, for the Lord has added sorrow to my suffering. I am worn out from groaning. I can't find any rest. The Lord told Jeremiah, tell Baruch, the Lord says, I am about to tear down what I have built and to uproot what I have planted. I will do this throughout the whole earth. Are you looking for great things for yourself? Do not look for such things, for I, the Lord, affirm that I am about to bring disaster on all humanity, but I will allow you to escape with your life wherever you go. Chapter 46, Prophecies Against Foreign Nations This was the Lord's message to the prophet Jeremiah about the nations. The Prophecy About Egypt's Defeat at Carchemish He spoke about Egypt and the army of Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, which was encamped along the Euphrates River at Carchemish. Now this was the army that King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon defeated in the fourth year That Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, was ruling over Judah. Fall into ranks with your shields ready. Prepare to march into battle. Harness the horses to the chariots. Mount your horses. Take your positions with helmets on. Ready your spears. Put on the armor. What do I see? The soldiers are frightened. They are retreating. They are being scattered. They have fled for refuge. Without looking back, terror is all around them, says the Lord. But even the swiftest cannot get away, even the strongest cannot escape. There in the north, by the Euphrates River, they have stumbled and fallen in defeat. Who is this that rises like the Nile, like the streams turbulent at a flood stage? Egypt rises like the Nile, like its streams turbulent at a flood stage. Egypt said, I will arise and cover the earth. I will destroy cities and the people who inhabit them. Go ahead and charge into battle, you horsemen. Drive furiously, you charioteers. Let the soldiers march out into battle, those from Ethiopia and Libya who carry shields and those from Lydia who are armed with the bow. But the day belongs to the sovereign Lord of heaven's armies. It is a day of reckoning when he will pay back his adversaries. His sword will devour them until its appetite is satisfied. It will drink its fill from their blood. Indeed, it will be a sacrifice for the sovereign Lord of heaven's armies in the land of the north by the Euphrates River. Get up to Gilead and get medicinal ointment, you dear poor people of Egypt. But it will prove useless no matter how much medicine you use. There will be no healing for you. The nations have heard of your shameful defeat. Your cries of distress fill the earth. One soldier has stumbled over another and both of them have fallen down, defeated. The Lord predicts that Nebuchadnezzar will attack and plunder Egypt. The Lord spoke to the prophet Jeremiah about Nebuchadnezzar coming to attack the land of Egypt. Make an announcement throughout Egypt. Proclaim it in Migdal, Memphis, and Tophonais. Take your positions and prepare to do battle, for the enemy army is destroying all the nations around you. Why will your soldiers be defeated? They will not stand because I, the Lord, will thrust them down. I will make many stumble. They will fall over one another in their hurry to flee. They will say, get up. Let's go back to our own people. Let's go back to our homelands. Because the enemy is coming to destroy us. There at home, they will say, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is just a big noise. He has let the most opportune moment pass by. I, the king, whose name is the Lord of heaven's armies, swear this. I swear as surely as I live that a conqueror is coming. He will be as imposing as Mount Tabor is among the mountains, as Mount Carmel is against the backdrop of the sea. Pack your bags for exile, you inhabitants of poor, dear Egypt. For Memphis will be laid waste. It will lie in ruins and be uninhabited. Egypt is like a beautiful young cow. But northern armies will attack her like swarms of stinging flies. Even her mercenaries will prove to be pampered, well-fed calves. For they too will turn and run away. They will not stand their ground. When the time for them to be destroyed comes, the time for them to be punished. Egypt will run away, hissing like a snake, as the enemy comes marching up in force. They will come against her with axes, as if they were woodsmen chopping down trees. The population of Egypt is like a vast, impenetrable forest. But I, the Lord, affirm that the enemy will cut them down. For those who chop them down will be more numerous than locusts. They will be too numerous to count. Poor, dear Egypt will be put to shame. She will be handed over to the people from the north. The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, I will punish Ammon, the God of Thebes. I will punish Egypt. Its gods and its kings. I will punish Pharaoh and all who trust in him. I will hand them over to Nebuchadnezzar and his troops, who want to kill them. But later on, people will live in Egypt again as they did in former times. I, the Lord, affirm it. A promise of hope for Israel. You, descendants of Jacob, my servants, do not be afraid, do not be terrified, people of Israel, for I will rescue you and your descendants. From the faraway lands where you are captives, the descendants of Jacob will return to their land and enjoy peace. They will be secure, and no one will terrify them. I, the Lord, tell you not to be afraid. You descendants of Jacob, my servant, for I am with you. Though I completely destroy all the nations where I scatter you, I will not completely destroy you. I will indeed discipline you, but only in due measure. I will not allow you to go entirely unpunished. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. Gracious and holy and righteous God, we thank you, O Lord, for your word today. We thank you, O God, that you communicate with your people, a people who sometimes turn away from you, that don't listen to you, that don't pray without ceasing as you have instructed us to, as you have invited us to, oh God. But yet you communicate with us by the Spirit through your word. And we are so grateful that you do not give us the silent treatment, but that you communicate with us. And God, we pray right now that you would allow us to receive from you both the grace and uh, that uplifts us, but also the grace that sobers us, the grace that causes us to feel stirred, the, the grace that causes us, O oh Lord, to repent and to self-examine, O oh God. For all of it is grace, and all of it is on the agenda to sanctify your children, to grow us up, to mature us, to make us more like Jesus. And so, O oh God, we thank you for the ways in which your word has come at times as as something that feels light and freeing, but sometimes as something that feels weighty and powerful and deeply convicting. Oh God, we are mindful that you, you reserve the right because you are our creator to bring about correction and judgment in your world. God, you reserve the right to do that because you are just and because you are holy. And we thank you, oh God, that when you do bring our correction away, it is not to crush us or to defeat us, but instead it is to prune us, to mature us, to grow us up. God, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you that we have never received the full weight due to us of the consequences of our sin. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of our sin and all of our shame were laid upon you, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks and praise for this. And yet we know That in this life, we still experience both reaping and sowing of that which is good and that which is a product of our sin, of our neglectfulness, of our lovelessness, of our injustice, O God. And yet with your grace and your mercy, you do not throw us away to judgment, but you do correct us. And so I'm mindful, O God, that you do bring correction into our lives, but not to defeat us, but to mature us, to grow us up. And that you have made promises to us that even through correction, oh God, you would never leave us or forsake us. That even through correction, oh God, that we would never lose our status in in, in your book of life. Our names are still written. That even through correction, you love us. And as a matter of fact, your correction is an expression of your love for your people. So, God, would you hold us up even in a season of correction? Even in a season where we have to reckon with the consequences of our actions, of our own sin, help us to truly live as repenters, turning away from sin and turning towards you, running and desiring after your way, your ethics, your will, and not our own desires, not our own way, not our own lust or our own entitlements, O God. But help us, O Lord, to be fixed and focused on your way. Keep us in the narrow way. And remind us if we find ourselves in a season in which we are really reckoning with the weight of our behaviors, our behaviors that have not pleased you, our behaviors that we're unloving, our behaviors that were resentful, or unforgiving, or filled with jealousy or covetedness, oh God, whatever it might be, remind us that even in the season of correction, it is an expression of your love. For your love is set on us. It is fixed on us. It is permanent. So we thank you for this. We thank you for the grace to experience and receive your correction, knowing it is an expression of your love. And we thank you for the maturing that only the spirit brings as it grows us up in Christ. It is in your name that we pray and we praise you for you are the God that does not let us just go astray. You come and get us and you correct us. And for that, we say thank you even as if it's a hard thank you to get out. Amen and amen.
0: Anyone can discover the timeless story of the Bible in just 30 minutes a day for 30 days. In the 30-Minute Bible, experienced Bible teachers Craig Bartholomew and Paige Vanosky present the story of Scripture in 30 short readings, each designed to take about half an hour. Each reading includes a passage from the Bible and a short chapter explaining how the passage fits into the Bible's wider narrative. Written in straightforward and clear language, the readings are accompanied by engaging visual illustrations. Discover the timeless story of the whole Bible for yourself with the